I I really like crust like across the board. I I when when a place does a really good crust, um, I obviously really enjoy it. But so I thought I wait. So there was no crust at all. No crust. Yeah, it was crustless. So it was a frittata. It was a frittata exactly, or a harvest pie okay. as they want to call it. What I mean, they call okay. it a a fluffy crustless egg quiche. So it's a frittata. So it's a frittata. Exactly. Well, there you go. I see. I don't okay. know. <laughs> this is why yeah, we have you on the show. Okay. You can correct all. You know my what? Mistakes. People people probably recognize the term quiche more than they recognize the term frittata. Well, though. I guess so. I, I'm sure. Uh, welcome to taste bc radio where we're going on a journey to explore restaurants breweries wineries and just about anywhere where we can eat and drink local i'm jeff and i'm dan and we are talking twice a month about local bc food and drink if you want to join in on the conversation follow us on instagram or facebook at taste bc radio or email us at host at tastebcradio.ca all right tasters let's get into it dan have you ever heard of cultivated meat Wait, don't we cultivate meat from animals anyway? Isn't this just meat? So this is like like lab grown meat. Oh, lab like grown thing, meat. Like, yeah. So they're like trying to like, they've gone through different names mm-hmm. uh, throughout their expansion of technology, and right. um, kind of cultivated meat is one of the more commonly used terms. I'm not sure what they're trying to call it now, but hmm. did you hear about this giant meatball that was made from mammoth meat? No. What? So an Australian company <laughs> um, got mammoth protein DNA and they filled in some gaps with the closest known relative, which is the African elephant. Okay. It's like Jurassic Park so far, right? Right, yeah. And then they inserted this the cells into uh, sh- some sheep cells mm-hmm. so that the DNA would kind of uh, take over yeah. and grew it in the fashion of this cultivated meat and Uh so what that is is like they get like i don't really understand completely how they do it but they have this like called scaffolding and and that kind of like gives it like structure and then it kind of just like multiplies and you're basically just growing just like the meat in this not test tube but like in this lab setting right sure yeah 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 and cultivated meat is well okay i'm gonna get there um and so they created what is essentially mammoth meat or as close to it as they'd ever be able to create. Sure, yeah. And they made just a giant meatball out of it. They made a mammoth meatball out of it. <laughs> and so, <laughs> first of all, like, who would ever need a, a meatball the size of a volleyball? Which was like, they said it was like almost the size of a volleyball. Um, <laughs> and, and then they cooked it. But no one ate it because they don't know if it's like safe to eat or whatever. Not because it's cultivated meat, but because it's um, like... a 4,000 year old protein. Yeah. And um, they said it like smelled like nothing they've ever smelled before. I mean, that could just as easily be like, have you ever eaten an elephant? So, I mean, it could, Fair. It could be anything at that point. Yeah. But it, they essentially, they did it to raise awareness for cultivated meat. Right. Which is supposed to be kind of the more ethical way of continuing to eat meat. Right. And like, it's way more environmentally friendly because it uses a far far less amount of water especially but also um it doesn't require any like agricultural space Mm -hmm. land for land use and with an expanding population like i don't know if you know this but we're supposed to um our the the planet's population is supposed to increase to 11 billion by the year 2100 and it'll probably flatten out there and then kind of start to decrease 
uh, and we just hit hit we just hit eight billion a few months ago. I yeah. think it was in November last year. Yeah. I remember. Reading so that. huge amount in the next seventy years increase in population, and huge. obviously there's no more land. So there's this big kind of thing of like, well, how are we going to be able to feed this growing population? Mm-hmm. And you know, we can get we can start talking about like food waste and all that kind of stuff. But um, one of the big things is like we can't sustainably continue to eat the way that we're eating uh especially as countries get richer they tend to eat more and more uh meat because Mm -hmm. they have more money for that kind of thing and so cultivating meat is kind of supposed to be the answer for that although currently it's about 500 times per pound the cost of um traditionally uh, procured meats yeah or or in animal agriculture right um but because it doesn't take the land space if the technology gets there then it's kind of this incredible thing. And so uh, it's really interesting. And and the whole point of this obviously was the publicity around like, look what we can do with this. Like we could literally bring back uh, or we could use any kind of meat. uh, And this is how little we need in order to be able to do this. And so we have this like old protein strand that we found in like the ice or whatever. And we were able to do this. And so it's really interesting. That's super interesting. um, did they do like a like a nutritional breakdown or something, or have they like studied like uh, what the meat I is don't all about? No, I that... I didn't see anything about that. I think Fair that enough. they're doing tests on it to see like what like the ramifications of this would be, and like if you could, it could be eaten. Yeah. Um, I don't think the goal is to bring back extinct meat. No, 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 no. As like a as like a protein source for anyone, but the the concept is just like if we can do this giant meatball with an extinct animal's yeah. protein cell, imagine what we can do with like a billion cells from a cow or a billion cells from a chicken. Yeah. Uh, currently in Singapore, you can actually buy commercially cultivated or lab grown meat. Really? It's the only country in the world right now that's allowed that. Wow. And in, um, in the U S the FDA has sent a no questions letter to a company called upside foods. Mm-hmm. Which means that it's not FDA approved, but they're able to now produce and start selling it. Wow. But what that means, is, so FDA approval means like it can be exported. Yeah. Well, I mean, it can technically be exported anyway, but countries will do their own testing and stuff. Mm-hmm. But places like Walmart and, you know, the big chains like that won't sell anything that's not FDA approved. Right. So things like the Impossible Burger and the Beyond Burger, those are like big hurdles for them. Mm-hmm. You can get a no questions asked letter within a matter of months, but you can't get, but FDA approval will take like a ser- like a couple of years to, to get that kind of approval. So um, this, I mean, we could be seeing this in just like a few years, they'll be figuring it out. So, yeah. um, but there's, there's other, there's tons of companies. Apparently in November, 2021, there was over 75 companies that were producing um, or like working on producing lab, lab grown meat. Wow. And there was an IP, IPCC report that came out recently, uh, international panel or intergovernmental panel on climate change, which is like produced by the UN. Yeah. And they get a bunch of scientists from all over the world to come together. And they produced a report saying, look, the demand for animal consumption is increasing and is unsustainable. And we need to look at how we're eating on the planet in order to combat climate change and combat um, everything that's happening on this planet. And so that we can survive Mm -hmm. as a, you know, human race yep and um this is super interesting that is so really I, cool. i'm i'm curious dan yeah i am too would you eat it 
Would you try it? I think I would, yeah. I think I would. After the uh, FDA has looked into it. (laughs) (laughs) So if I came over tomorrow and I was like, oh man, I got a mammoth meatball. (laughs) Would you try some? Oh, I don't know. I don't know if I... Yeah, I don't know either. I don't don't know know either. (laughs) (laughs) I, uh... Oh, jeez, that's a really tough question. I don't think I would. Oh, and... I'd be like, cool. I, I, I would like to note that this episode is coming out on April 1st, and this mm. is not a joke. Yes. Oh, good. Good disclaimer. We should put... I had to, I had to double check that. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't a joke, I promise. Yeah. That is really cool, though. Um, and uh, it poses like a... Just the fact that we're... There's a bunch of, like, government agencies, like, around the world who are looking into this, like, already, kind of makes me think, like... We're in a really bad place in terms of like considering how considering like a large proportion of the population of the world has like uh, food insecurity already, and the fact that yeah. our population is going to increase substantially from now until twenty one hundred, and that is uh, problematic to say the least. Um, yeah, and and the the thing is is like this. I don't know if this is the solution, mm-hmm. but it, if it can be the hardest thing that people, the hardest, the hardest thing about change is changing people's habits. Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. And so if we're trying to, this would reduce the barriers of habits. If you could go to the grocery store and you see a lab grown chicken breast beside a, a traditional chicken breast and you, they're the same price and one is, you know, arguably cleaner and obvious and there's no like antibiotics or like i don't know whatever yeah the, the, yeah the benefits would be or they have like a label being like certified sustainable or whatever like yeah. i would say i would say most people would choose that because yeah. you kind of get that satisfaction for it right yeah but if people aren't going to seek this out and pay 500 times the cost for it no, okay, uh, no except for people that are looking for that novelty right and and if if we're asking people to stop eating meat or 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 change their habits that's not going to happen. Like it, mm-hmm. it, it's on mass. It's not going to happen. So it's a really interesting kind of, it's like with the electric car, right? Um, the hardest, the hardest thing was getting people to change their habits around. You can fill up a gas tank and drive for 500 kilometers versus you have to wait half an hour to an hour for the car to charge. Yeah. And they finally have kind of come over that hurdle, but now what's going to happen when the city grids can't keep up with that and yeah. people are gonna have to change their habits on when they charge or where they charge or what else they do with the, in their lives to to keep the city grids from overloading and, and it, it's really yeah i just find every, it really interesting every solution seems to have seems to bring up a like a uh, a problem you know exactly like, and it's uh, really exactly. interesting i'm curious to see where like hydrogen fuel cells will play into this because um, yeah because that's kind of like the next you can kind of see it in the background that things people are starting to like pay attention to that because there's problems with electric vehicles, right? Lithium yeah. is um, uh, needs to be mined, and that's probably not good for the earth. Uh, one yeah. could argue, and we have limited a finite resource, a uh, finite amount of lithium in the world. Yeah. So that's not really that's not a, a forever answer, right? So is hydrogen yeah. fuel cell technology uh, the yeah. answer? I don't know. Um, and 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 the the argument with both hydrogen and with electric is if mm-hmm. the power so electric if the electricity is coming from like a coal power plant yeah then it's or a the, fossil fuel power plant yeah. you're not I mean it's better but it's not nearly as good as 
like in BC, we're pretty well off because it's um, hydropower. Isn't it ninety eight percent of our electric grid is yeah, something like that. Something yeah, like that. it's a significant um, amount. And even the extra power that we buy from California is solar. So oh yeah, it's, that's. But then you look at oh, well, we need to increase our our power load, and so they implement or they're building Site C Dam, but then Site C Dam has its own environmental issues. Yeah. And so there's like that. And then when you look at hydrogen, um, there's two ways to get hydrogen. Mm-hmm. One is electrolysis, where you basically put electricity in water and it separates the water into oxygen and hydrogen, yeah. which again, where does that electricity come from? And the other way to do it is to extract hydrogen from um, hydrocarbons. Mm-hmm. So like fuels and stuff. Yeah. And now that actually is probably one of the better solutions because if doing it, you can capture that carbon and put it back underground, then you have essentially a net zero uh, product. Mm, that's an interesting, so, yeah. Yeah, so it's really it's really just like, there's always a downside and totally. there's no solution. Yeah. The, the thing that, the reason why electric, electric cars have won is because no matter how slow it is, you can still charge them anywhere. Totally, yeah. You can just plug them into a regular 110 volt if you need to. Yeah. And it'll take forever, but it will work. Yeah. Whereas with hydrogen, like in Metro Vancouver, as far as I know, there's two spots you can get hydrogen. One's in North Van and one's in like by BCIT. Yeah. I think and I think you one... said there's one on Victoria or in Vancouver Island. Is that right? I think there's one in Saanich, like close by to yeah. us actually. Um, yeah. I should say like disclaimer, I have investments in a hydrogen fuel cell company. But they do mostly like commercial stuff, so I might be a little bit biased when I think it's a it's a good idea. But um, kind of a cool story: uh, the company that I have investments in just uh, partnered with a airline company, and they just did their very first passenger uh, included flight powered uh, by hydrogen fuel cells. So, wow. which is pretty cool. Anyway, that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. So I, again, might be a little biased, but I like the idea and like I, the fact that. I've, uh, if we're burning or using hydrogen, uh, it's nice to know that it's really just water. That's your byproduct. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Jeff, what do you got for me this week? Well, first, let's start off. We are doing the most important meal of the day, arguably. That's right. You know what, Dan? I got a bone to pick with myself. Uh-oh. I used to be all about that brunch. Yeah? Like, every weekend... If I wasn't going out for brunch, I was making brunch for myself. Yeah. And I used to be all about, like, having, you know, a good breakfast. Well, actually, that's not true. I used to be very, like, simple with... I am always simple with my breakfast. But a brunch, brunch. Brunch. You know? Brunch. And I always say, like, oh, I could have breakfast for any meal of the day. But I have been really slacking on my brunching oh. lately. Oh, and that hurts And I'm heart. extremely disappointed in myself. I'm extremely disappointed in myself. Hmm. I'm not going to lie. I'm a little disappointed too. I know. <laughs> we went out for mm. brunch the other day, which is why I wanted to talk about it. <laughs> yeah. For your anniversary. Yes. You got it. Perfect. Well, okay. So we're speaking about brunch. We're talking yeah. about brunch. There we go. Um, and I've got a place that I think you will be, if this place were in Victoria, you'd be talking about it right now. Let me just tell you that. <laughs> Ooh, I'm excited. <laughs> okay. So, uh, it's actually attached to a hotel, which is, I think, the first one that we've done that's uh, been kind of, like, incorporated in a hotel. But yeah. maybe not. And it's called Forage. Ooh. And Forage is actually open for dinner as well. But I've only ever been there for brunch. And they regularly win Best Brunch in uh, the West End. 
and they regularly are in the top 10 best brunch in Vancouver every single year. I feel like and they're a bit of a sleeper. We've been there with you, haven't we? I don't know. I feel like I we know. have. Yeah, I recognize the name. But again, um, yeah, so it, it, it's a bit of a sleeper because I feel like it's really kind of underplayed. It's, it doesn't have that hype in Vancouver, places like the like the trendy spots do. And I, I'm not really sure why, because it's absolutely fantastic. I remember going there when they first opened, even, mm-hmm. and in, in 2012. Well, let's just talk about kind of their whole philosophy. So they are... Yeah, they took over for a long-standing restaurant called O'Doul's that was in the Listel Hotel in mm-hmm. down on Robson. Mm-hmm. And so they took over in 2012 and created Forage. And the idea was building sustainable restaurants, which like really is kind of my fantasy. Not making a sustainable restaurant, but having more sustainability within restaurants. Mm-hmm. So this place really speaks to me. And one of the things they did was, okay, we're going to reduce... First of all, they said, we're going to reduce our energy consumption. And in the first year, they reduced their entire energy consumption by 24%. They used 30% less gas and 18% less electric than the previous year of O'Doul's. Mm-hmm. And like that doesn't sound... I mean, it is a lot. It's a third of the amount of gas they're using and, and about a fifth of the amount of electric. Mm-hmm. But especially in a restaurant where pr- pretty much all of your equipment runs on gas, yeah, that's huge. And... Uh, you know, electric, we have pretty clean electric here. So the gas is a, a higher uh, importance, but it's still, you know, the production of electricity still comes at its toll. And uh, it has, um, it translates to about 15 cents per plate less spent on energy. Wow. Than, yeah. And I I don't have stats for current year, but that was just in the first year. And so presumably they're kind of following that same pattern. Um, they also are certified zero waste and what that means is that they're using kind of all of the stems and the the all parts of the edible parts of the product that comes into the restaurant mm-hmm. so they're having smaller plates uh that they call smart sizing and mm-hmm. the idea behind that is that people will will share the food and order a few plates and there won't be that one person that orders too much and has stuff left on their plate or or multiple people that won't have stuff left on their plate and they've been able to reduce the amount of food scraps that go into the organic bins hmm. which is one of the biggest areas for waste in a restaurant is food coming back to the kitchen. Fair enough, yeah. They also installed tap wine. They were one of the earlier adopters of tap wine, which we've talked a little bit about on the show before. But for those who missed it, it's basically like wine in a bag, but good quality. Uh, and it's you get a reusable keg that has a, a bag inside of it, and it's about 20 bottles of wine in that. And so you reduce the, the waste of the glass bottles. They have... Uh, kind of like a zero waste water system so you can get tap uh, soda water or um, still water Um, this one I take a little bit more of an issue with because they're you're not so much like saving the bottles in a restaurant unless people are getting San Pellegrino's or Aquapana Mm -hmm. um, which I don't see happening as much in Vancouver but still it's a good initiative and they also use uh, wood and iron plateware because oh, wow. when you have ceramic plateware and it chips, you basically have to throw it out. Yeah. And typically that stuff doesn't get recycled. So they've reduced a tremendous amount of landfill from uh, using uh, this specific kind of plateware. So, Wow. Um, yeah, that's that's all really great. 
And another thing that Forge does is they just they, they don't really compromise on the flavor. Like they'll they'll go to local foragers, local fishers, local um, farms, meat producers. Uh, their original philosophy, which it looks like they still kind of pursue, is they are a beef free kitchen. So because of the, going back to kind of the article we talked about today, going back to the environmental impact of beef. Yeah. uh, And they'll bring in um, game meat. So they have like bison instead of beef. They have, uh, mostly they use bison instead. Mm -hmm. Um, But depending on kind of the season or or whatever, if they want to make like a burger for their dinner menu, they'll have like a game blend uh, from like local hunters. Wow. Yeah. or, you know, smaller farms, depending on kind of where they're getting it from. And they have people that go out foraging for them and pick wild mushrooms and wild, you know, greens, uh, including sometimes, like the original chef would go out and do some of his own foraging, um, local fisheries. And the kind of, the thought of like a sustainable kitchen that you think of right now is kind of like, oh, you know, maybe they use reusable packaging and they are ocean-wise and they you know, turn their lights off at night or, or something like that. Like, um, but this is just since 2012. So now going on, uh, 11 years, almost 12 years, mm-hmm. they have been, uh, pursuing this art of the, the lowest footprint possible and really not compromising on kind of the, the plates that they, they make. The executive chef now started as the pastry chef, when they opened, he helped open it. His name is Wilbert Choi. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's originally born in Hong Kong and then moved to North Burnaby and went to culinary school. He's worked at the Hilton. He's worked at uh, Elixir. Uh, and then after two years working, after opening and then working two years at Forage, he was given uh, the role of chef de cuisine, which is basically like the functional chef of the restaurant. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then since then has been promoted to executive chef. And so he's kind of continuing the legacy of this restaurant. And again, I, like I said, it's kind of a sleeper because they, they're they never on like the 20 places to eat in Vancouver TikToks and like yeah. whatever, because they're just quietly making a difference. And, I, and being attached to a hotel as well, people that come and stay, you know, Robson's such a hopping place. People that come to Vancouver and stay there and they're like, oh, this restaurant's in the hotel. They go down and they you know, eat there. And then like, that's making a difference. Like the, the footprint of tourism as well has been mm. reduced because they're staying in a, this hotel and be eating at this place. So that's really cool. Um, some of the, the brunch that they have are, you know, very classic brunches. You know, you've got your Benedict's, uh, smoked salmon from local smoked salmon, um, roasted mushroom benedict which is uh with like foraged mushrooms the bison hash they do a corn bison mm-hmm. like you would do a corned beef um they actually do breakfast monday to friday 7 a.m to 10 a.m and then they have brunch on saturday and sunday as well so very few places in the city do breakfast as well right uh and so it's really nice to see a place and being attached to a hotel i think helps that out quite a bit oh for sure um a lot of the basically basically the menu for breakfast is the same but slightly condensed. They have you know the classic breakfast. They have a cup, a few of the Benedicts. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got the omelet. It's a very simple and just high quality menu. And from what I can tell, they're bringing in essentially all BC um, 
wines. Nice. So uh, they've got... I don't recognize some of the names, but most of the names that I recognize on the, the wine list are all from BC, Okanagan, or uh, Thompson. Mm-hmm. So I could be wrong about that, and I haven't taken the time to look at every single one of them because I don't have time for that. But, <laughs> 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 um, but yeah, and like, uh, yeah, they've... Hold on. I know we're supposed to be talking about brunch today, but they have an awesome dinner menu as well. Like... Uh, like they so they, what they do is uh, for their dinner menu they actually separate out um, their menu into f- well five sections so they have uh, snacks which are basically like smaller dishes mm-hmm. a lot of them are kind of like like, um, like bread croquette uh, carpaccio uh, things like that mm-hmm. and then they have three sections on their menu called sea land and soil so the sea is you know um, octopus, sablefish, sturgeon. Land is bison, pork, and Cornish game hen. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Cornish game hen. And soil is like forage stuff. So chanterelle mushrooms, gnocchi, uh, which is like a potato-based pasta, and winter beets. Hmm. And, then they ha- and then they have a bison board experience, which is only available Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And it's a selection of all different parts of Canadian bison served and prepared different ways and wow. serves two to four people so super cool even even on their brunch, brunch and breakfast menu is like a salted duck yolk custard house-made nutella ginger pearls bc blueberry compote condensed milk so like pretty much everything that you possibly can get from this everything that you can get from here is like you took a classic breakfast menu or classic brunch menu mm-hmm. and then you turned it up to Four thousand, <laughs> <laughs> and just like such high quality uh, ingredients and, and local ingredients, you know that things are uh, they don't just find the cheapest ingredient to make whatever mm-hmm. dish that they've planned. They they go out and they're they're looking for the best place. So one one dish that really stands out to me, which uh, is is funny being on the the brunch menu, but I guess technically it is like a brunch item, is braised bison short ribs ragu. French lentils, tomato sauce, free-range eggs, and toast. And a ragu is like um, it's like a really fatty meat kind of. Traditionally, it's made with like pork, mm-hmm. um, like not pork belly, but like kind of like the fattier cuts of pork and beef blend. Yeah. Uh, and then it's um, like a almost like a not even a, like like a stroganoff, but less liquidy. Right. Uh, it can be made into like a pasta sauce or uh, whatever. So really, I, I think that that will kind of give you the kind of homage of like a shachuka. Oh, so nice. I think that that's, that's kind of what makes it a little bit more brunchy. So. Oh, I love it. So that's forage. And one more thing to note is that in 2020, kind of when COVID hit, they launched their online uh, ordering. Mm-hmm. Not online ordering, but like, like an online store. And so like, so everything that they make is in-house. And they, like from their condiments to their uh, preserves to their pickles Uh, so in 2020 when kind of the world shut down they launched an online store you can actually ship all across canada maybe the world even uh and they started packaging their house-made sauces and and everything else and so you can get things like jams and preserves they have condiments they have flavored salts they have bread they have honey infusions well, they have one honey infusion. They have a, a seasoning spice, and they have um, like pickled spicy beans, which they make in house as well. Wow. Uh, the condiments, 
um, spice box, spice box whiskey cranberry sauce. Might have to get that for the next holiday dinner. Uh, truffled mushroom and then quote soil, which is um, crushed hazelnuts, uh, dried foraged mushrooms, butter and truffle oil, and a hint of cocoa to make this just really like make like dishes pop, I guess, into this really really like savory umami Ooh. flavor. So. Oh, wow. Yeah, really great. And um, if you are in Vancouver, they are located at 1300 Robson Street. Uh, and they are open for breakfast Monday to Friday, 7 a.m. to 10, dinner from 5 p.m. to 9 p.m., and then on Saturday, Sunday, and long weekends, brunch from 7 a.m. to 2 p.m., and then again, dinner from 5 to 9. Lovely. Yeah. Perfect. So <laughs> I, got, I got a little out of, <laughs> out of hand near the end there, but I think that uh, you uh, get you the did, idea. So you did, you did good. You did good. Dan, save me and tell me what you've been eating and drinking. <laughs> well, I've kind of got a little bit... It's kind of a two for one, but not really. And it also involves okay. the uh, restaurant that I want to talk about in my, in my little bit. So I'll start oh. with the... The, uh, the the main the main attraction for this, and I, I want to talk about this specific coffee company in Victoria. Um, their okay. co- I've had their medium roast, and I've also had a, 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 their espresso as well, and they are both super fantastic. What I love about this is it's a little bit different, uh, and they do things very very um, specifically and in small batches. Uh, it's called Mile Zero Coffee Co. And they do, they specifically do small batch custom coffee on Vancouver Island and here in Victoria, actually. Um, Mile Zero is where the Trans Canada Highway ends, basically, and there's a little statue uh, there. Or starts. Or starts, yeah, depending on your perspective. But I guess. Mile mile Zero, you would think. You would think, yeah, I guess so. Anyway. (laughs) 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 Also, it's not in kilometers? I know, I know, why? Kilometer zero. I guess okay. kilometer zero just sounds dumb uh, compared yeah, to mile zero. It just rolls off the tongue. Um, so mile zero coffee co. Uh, they do are they specifically source organically uh, organic and fair trade coffee beans, specifically arabica beans. And uh, the cool thing about them is they actually don't roast the coffee beans until you order them. So it's like oh. the freshest beans that you can get. Um, and uh, roasted just for you, basically. And so they doesn't spend any time on the shelf in the warehouse, and uh, it ensures, like, each bag or batch of coffee that you get is um, as fresh as it can be. You basically order their coffee, and they also have a, they also have a coffee shop and a, a coffee bar, um, so you can uh, experience it uh, right away and kind of pick and choose which what uh, what beans and what roasts you want to order, which I think is really cool. Um, uh, they air roast it, which means they don't it doesn't get exposed to really high heat, which means less acidity and bit and bitterness and smooth flavors. Right. Um, so I was able to try it at a at a cafe, uh, but most recently I got to try it at the restaurant that I'm going to be talking to next, and in the in a what they call a an imperial sunrise, which is uh, consists of oat milk, warming spices, turmeric, and maple with a shot of espresso in it. And this was absolutely incredible. It was so so good. They also uh, add. 
Um, I don't know if it was just on the day, but they added a little bit of uh, like beetroot powder on top of it, and it just added this really, really nice um, earthy tone to it. Uh, oh, it was just delicious, and you, know, you get like a really smooth uh, espresso flavor at the beginning, and then it's kind of it's got it's kind of like nutmeggy. Uh, flavors and then it ends just a little and sorry and turmeric and then just a little bit of sweetness at the end of it and so you get this really like cascading flavor profile that goes from very um, earthy and umami kind of flavoring to your spices and then ends in sweet it was just delightful and every like sip was almost almost exactly the same you could just that cascading flavor profile but it never got old um the coffee portion of it it was really really smooth it was not bitter whatsoever and it didn't have that kind of acidity that you can kind of get so oh it was just incredible so um, I'll go more into what the restaurant is all about, but I just wanted to highlight that this specific drink because I thought it was fantastic and I would 100% get it again. And it also gave me an opportunity to explore another locally, locally owned uh, coffee company, which I thought was really cool. So yeah, yeah. So do you order? It's Mile Zero Coffee. Correct. You order it online and then they roast it and Correct. then they ship it you to can't- you. You can order it online. They also have a storefront, uh, and then a lot of like cafes and uh, local restaurants also carry them. So, uh, oh. yes. So there's different ways that you can enjoy it. Um, they've got a lot of different. If you go onto their, um, they have a Victoria Dark Roast, uh, Island Espresso, um, Breakwater Blend is their medium roast. Really good. I highly recommend that one. Uh, they have a decaf Swiss water from Peru. Um, they have a black bear barrel aged espresso, which sounds really, really good. They have another, uh, second medium roast that you can order. Um, oh geez. Yurga Chefe. I'm, I butchered that pronunciation. <laughs> Full city roast, which is kind of a mix of medium and dark roast. And their neuro, which is a French roast, which is extra dark as they describe. So lots of little, Amazing. yeah, lots of little different, uh, different blends that you can try. So Endless fun. So I'm going to have to order myself uh, some. I think I'm going to do their breakwater blend. I think that's the one that I had, and it was really good. Yeah, that's awesome. And is it all, like, fair trade? Exclusively Arabica fair trade specialty coffees. And wherever possible, it's organic certified as well. There we go. Perfect. I knew I read that somewhere. I was just trying to find it. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. That's good. I feel like it's kind of, like, baseline these days to have... And as fair it sh- trade as it should be pretty right? low bar to have like organic and uh and then there's like tim hortons which is like way below that oh yeah 100 <laughs> percent. well and it, i feel like it even, shows even starbucks is starting to bring in organic and fair trade stuff so really well good for you yeah. Star- starbucks <laughs> <laughs> all right uh, all right what do you got for me jeff I have been holding out for this one for a while now uh actually just one extra recording um but <laughs> The the night before our last recording, I think, uh, I tried this and I was like, oh, I got it. Or maybe it was the night of our last recording, so I just missed it. And it is called Brown Sugar Oat Stout. Ooh. And it's from the Trailblazer series from Old Yale Brewing. So they're out in Chilliwack. Yeah. On Old, Old Yale, Yale Road. <laughs> Actually, I think they're just off of Old Yale Road. Anyway, <laughs> um, 
Yeah, they're on South Sumas Road. There's kind of like kitty corner to it. Uh-huh. Anyway, uh, so it's a single batch limited release. I actually picked this up just at the BCLS. Mm-hmm. I've been I've been kind of avoiding stouts, porters, and heavier beers lately. Yeah. Uh, but I got this because it's like, oh, brown sugar oat. That's like Ooh. a brown sugar oat shaken espresso from Starbucks. <laughs> <laughs> but more fun. <laughs> which I... Which I may or may not confirm I very much enjoyed. So I actually have started doing it at home because I can't believe that I'm paying for that at Starbucks. So I, I just make them at home now. But anyway. Nicely done. Um, it was so good. It it wasn't sweet. Like you would expect it to kind of have like a bit of like sweetness to it. Being yeah. like brown sugar is like a main tasting thing. Um, it was very malty. So it really had a lot of that kind of, um, you know, malty flavor to it. But I think that that actually uh, hid some of the sweetness mm. and maltiness is kind of sweetness but it's yeah. like a different kind of sweetness right uh and it was surprised surprisingly amount of hops in it hmm. um sorry it, was it wasn't it, like oh, yeah sorry i just had a quick question was it malty i i'm unsure are you making fun of me i am <laughs> sorry you just went on a tangent that you said like malty a bunch sorry i deserve that oh, okay deserve that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um uh, and I, what I like about this uh, can too is it has on the back like tasting Ooh, notes. So it yeah, has yeah. color, dark chocolate, hops, one out of uh, five, and uh, malt, five out of five. Fair enough. And yeah. then obviously all the ingredients and everything on it. Nice. Um, the, the, the tasting notes. Did you find? Um, how did you find the? Was it? The- yes, I found them to be quite accurate. Mm, oh. Nice. Um, I was expecting to get kind of no hop at all from it. Yeah. And there was just kind of that little bit of residual kind of like hoppiness to it which i I really liked i think that someone like my dad who is like really all about that hop yeah um probably would be like well there's no hop to that at all right i'm i've been like really sensitive to hops in the last couple months i don't know why just something just kind of like like a flick of a switch so maybe that has something to do with it but yeah i i mean by the time this comes out maybe the the series will be over i don't know there's Mm -hmm. limited batch but old yale uh producing a really great uh stout um brown sugar oat so i i'm excited to see what else they do with that i've been to old yale a couple times yeah and had some of their beers i find them very consistently clean beers i find them um like kind of like that steady eddie yeah and uh this one was a uh, no exception to that very very good and 100 10 out of 10 would buy it again nice um but i definitely like a colder weather yeah beer yeah for yeah. sure fair so. enough but still and it's good that you uh it's good that a brewery that's really good at making like really solid beers and nice clean ones can uh, branch out a little bit and do something a little different, which is for awesome. Sure. Yeah, and do it quite well as well. I'll have to look for, out for that one because uh, brown uh, brown sugar oat would be a really interesting flavor profile. Yeah, and it wasn't like really molassesy like brown sugar can be. Yeah, um, but it just had that little bit of kind of like sweetness nice. and like a little bit like it wasn't a sweet beer by any means but mm. it just had the little bit of like something different it was really nice nice i love it yeah okay all right tell me all about your brunch your bref- breakfast experience your your anniversary uh, <laughs> breakfast extravaganza yes uh so <laughs> well let's start with that so uh my wife and i uh, recently celebrated our i guess dating anniversary is that what we're calling it these days um so uh, 14 years together so that's pretty mm-hmm. sweet um, and so we've been eyeing this place up to go for brunch or brunch or lunch um, basically since we moved to the area and it's called Charlotte and the Quail 
And it's a really cute, okay. really cute little cafe that started up in um, uh, 2010. And it, it's attached to this place called the um, Garden at HCP. So HCP stands for the Horticultural Center of the Pacific. And uh, so they have a bunch of flowers, uh, plant, like interesting plants and they have it like beautifully set up and so there's walking trails and everything and it's a really really nice place to go if you're just wanting to kind of experience nature in a different way um specifically for charlotte and the quail um they kind of what we've been talking about today actually which is kind of uh, interesting they they their entire menu is based on ingredients that local farms are able to provide them at the time. So their menu changes wow. based on availability of, of um, based on sorry the uh, ingredients that are uh, in season around them or or right. have done very well that season from local farms. So that's really cool. So uh, the the kind of downside to that, if you can call it a downside, is their menu is quite small. But everything that they do, especially the uh, everything that they do, is just really, really fresh, and like you can really tell, like every bite is yeah. just bursting with flavor. You know, this isn't like frozen in the back forever, and like, um, and beautifully cooked as well, and just really like really bringing out like natural flavors uh, to the meals, yeah. and oh, it is. It was so good. And we only got to try... So my wife and I, we did kind of like a mix of like breakfast and lunch. So like, I guess, true brunch. So we got the harvest pie, which is a crustless egg quiche uh, with a bunch of greens, veggies, feta cheese. And uh, we did their kale salad as a side. And I got the chicken sam. Sorry? Was it a warm quiche or cold quiche? Warm quiche. Oh. Yeah, it was really it was spectacular their so their kale salad as well the side was absolutely to die for they used um uh like a creamy agavita agavita is that a, how you pronounce that yeast dressing which i thought was okay. spectacular there's nothing like i've ever it was a creamy yet there was some like vinegary aspects to it it was really interesting um i don't know how else to describe it other than that um like I said, all of the ingredients were super fresh, and you could tell the 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 high level of quality in each bite. Uh, the chicken sandwich was delicious. They have a locally uh, sourced pretzel bun and uh, ro- roasted chicken thighs, seasoned vegetables, and, and I got the soup at the time, which was uh, zucchini and leek. And usually I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like, I'm, I agree with my wife. She's very cautious when she gets soups at, at restaurants because she finds them right. overly salty a lot of the time. And this was the complete opposite. Not, <laughs> not in a negative way. It was just, they didn't need salt. They really like brought in a lot of the f- natural flavors of leeks and, and right. zucchini and did a really, really good job. Yeah. Uh, you can always add salt to your soup. Exactly. It's the, yeah. I'd rather be tasting like what they're what the chef is trying to accomplish with the yeah. soup rather than just like tossing a bunch of stuff together and dumping a bunch of salt in there and being like this yeah. tastes good especially like a, a purpose-built soup whereas opposed yeah. to just soup of the day it's like oh you have a bunch of scraps you're trying to use up which is t- good and commendable but mm-hmm. it's probably like an afterthought whereas you know if someone's like so i i get that for sure yeah absolutely um the the other uh, side of this, which I've kind of already touched on, uh, is the beverages. And if you look at the menu, they have tons of really like specialty 
uh, lattes and coffee-based uh, drinks. Uh, they do a pink rose latte, which is oat milk, rose essence, beetroot yeah. powder, cardamom, and a touch of maple. You can add some oh, yeah. MCT oil um, if you'd like. Uh, they have a matcha-licious, which is your classic oat, oat milk, pe- matcha powder, and a little bit of maple. The imperial. Do they sun- not use any dairy milk in their drinks? Uh, I don't believe they do. I think you can, you can, but they choose to use. Uh, but the default is, you know, is oh, that's interesting. Milk. Yeah, so yeah, you do have a choice of milk if you like, but I think they're really going for a specific flavor with those ones with the oat milk. So yeah, well, oat has this kind of unique sweetness to it totally. um, that that works really well in like coffee drinks. Totally. Yeah. Uh, their dandelion latte, dandelion root, ch- Ooh. chicory or chicory, uh, cacao, a uh, touch of maple, and some. Uh, milk as well. I like how they use maple as like a as, as their default sweetener as well. That's kind of, yeah. kind of nice. It's better than like white sugar or brown sugar even. And I don't know. Maybe the maybe the yeah. uh, maybe the jury's out on that one. But I like the idea. It makes me feel better about it. So <laughs> no, maple's great. It actually maple syrup is actually a really high source of iron. Oh well, there you go. Yeah, perfect. But a lot of people don't. Eat, consume enough maple for that to matter right it, it does exist yeah. yeah fair enough fair <laughs> enough <laughs> uh my wife got the sweet and salty latte which is uh with a decaf mm. espresso honey some salt and uh, i think she went with oat milk and it was delicious as well amazing um, they, and then all of these coffees were made with the mile zero exactly yeah they're espresso cool. or i think it's mostly espresso based uh yeah and uh, they have a kids menu as well, which is always nice. Uh, going toward away from the food a little bit, they have a, a kind of a cute little story on their name. So it's kind of a unique name, uh, Charlotte and the Quail. Um, they based it off of Charlotte was their uh, the garden cat that hung out that they adopted, <laughs> and so they've been uh, Charlotte's been there for like over six years. And she often hangs out on the on the back patio of the of the restaurant, and um, everybody is a lot, obviously allowed to go and say hi and give her lots of attention and love. Um, and the quail portion, uh, the restaurant is located on Quail Road, not the same spelling, and mm. uh, they have a, obviously with a with it being a garden, they have a tons of birds like flying around, so they often will get quail. So they thought it would be okay. cool to incorporate that as well. The ambiance itself you can get see on their website you have a little picture it's very lots of natural light you're kind of south facing and you're looking out into the gardens and there's a patio as well that's um obviously with it being winter it wasn't set set up um but lots of like kind of light coloring and uh and cool wallpaper as well um just a really beautiful location um everybody there was super friendly really really nice uh the food was uh, incredible uh and the drinks were just as good they were so so good so highly recommend yeah, those drinks sound really good yeah really interesting so i like want to go back to try the other ones because i didn't get a chance to do the pink rose latte and i wish i did but yeah. or the dandelion latte for for that matter so um and i love the fact that they really focus on local farmers and farms and it just course, makes yeah. every dish seem to be that much more special and they obviously have put thought into like the flavor profiles that they're going for um a lot of their um menu items can also be made vegan as well they actually a cashew hollandaise uh which is pretty cool oh yeah 
And then any like a lot of your meats and stuff can, uh, can be substituted for sautéed oyster mushrooms uh, for to make it vegan. I don't think that's extra, uh, which is cool. kind of cool as well. So I hope not. It would be a lot cheaper than the meat. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent, and that's always nice. But they, I guess depending on the season, oyster mushrooms can get pretty expensive. Totally. Uh, on the on the menu, it says like vegan options: sautéed oyster mushrooms, and there's no like plus two dollars or whatever it is. And cool. So that's that's always nice as well. And what I like about this is you can make it like like it maybe on surface like a small menu, but you can add different things to it, or you can switch it up and like right. so it can it can reach a broader audience, if you will, while still exactly, maintaining yeah. like high quality a small menu. So yeah, hundred percent. And you know they they doubled the size of their menu by offering an eggless hollandaise and a meatless you know kind of protein substitute. Totally. And so whether or not you're getting the vegan option or you're just getting the eggless option or you're getting the meatless option, they've yeah. doubled, tripled, even tripled their menu options. Totally. So. Yeah. It's brilliant. We were so full from lunch that we unfortunately didn't get any of their desserts, um, which is unfortunate. But they also have like lots of um, locally made uh, kind of uh, pastries and stuff like that that you can buy, So, which is great. Um, if you find your, it's also kind of nice cause you can make sort of a day or an afternoon of it. Um, when, if you go to the restaurant and you keep your receipt, you can bring it to the, uh, to the gardens and you get, um, uh, I think you can get into the gardens for like a, a steeply discounted price, which is pretty nice. And, uh, mm. yeah. Do they do dinner? They do not. No. So they're specifically brunch okay. and yeah, brunch. So they're open uh, 10 cool. to three. So. Awesome. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. So very specific to it. Yeah. 10 to 3 on Saturdays and Sundays are open 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. So, which is kind of neat. So if you are in the uh, area of Saanich and are looking for a spot to get brunch, you can find this place at 505 Quail Road in Victoria. Amazing. And so how do you solve quail for the quail road? Uh, quail Road is spelled uh, Q-U-A-Y-L-E. Okay. Yeah, I'll we'll just leave that where it is. <laughs> Not question it. <laughs> well, that about wraps it up for this leg of our journey. Taste BC Radio is recorded, edited, and produced by Jeff Wilson and me, Dan Kavanaugh. You can continue the journey and check out everywhere we talked about today in the show notes and our Taste BC map. Make sure to follow us at Taste BC Radio on Instagram and Facebook, and we'd love to have you join our community on Patreon. Links are in the show notes. Tune in next time to find out what we will be tasting next. And never miss an episode by subscribing on your podcast app. In the meantime, make sure to rate and review the show. This really does help us grow, and we really do appreciate the feedback. Until next time, support local and keep keep it tasty. Nice. (laughs) Every time. (laughs) Switch like a flick. Like, flick. Someone just like, like a flick of a switch. (laughs) Um... (laughs)